0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure. You got this, Adidas. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor Coachpad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, the coach pad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game-changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of st- stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field check out the coach pad the coach pad mini on thecoachpad.com please make sure you check out our sponsors our affiliates and here is another our episode of the gap down backer podcast Uh, Welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, Today we have Coach Greg Webster. Uh, He's the offensive coordinator at Springfield College. Coach, how are you doing?
1: Good. I'm I'm doing well. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Coach is is a flex bone, triple, I mean, whatever you will call it. Some people don't like the term flex bone. Some people think triple narrows it down too much or whatever it is. But how did you end up as the offensive coordinator at Springfield? Let's start there. Yeah.
1: So I think probably goes back to uh, being a player there, right? So I was a, a player there from uh, 2005 to 2009. Uh, and then I stayed on and was a graduate assistant there uh, coach actually on the offensive side of the ball. So I was a, a outside linebacker, strong safety when I played there uh, and then G8 on the offensive side of the ball uh, and then spent a year at uh, Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Terre Haute, Indiana, a good division three school, like excellent engineering school. And, you know, it's, it's, I had never heard of the the school before. Uh, A former GA um, knew uh, a guy, Brian White, who got hired as the uh, offensive line coach and recruiting coordinator there when Jeff Sokol took over uh, back around, it was 2011, uh, I believe. And uh, really a a really good school uh, out in the Midwest, engineering and high quality academic kids, was there for a year. um, And then went from there to the University of Maine uh, where we've always had a pretty good Springfield College connection up there. Uh, Joe Harris-Simiak, who is currently now the Defense Coordinator at uh, Rutgers, uh, we played in GA together and he got promoted up there uh, back in 2012. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to come on with him and, and Coach Cosgrove, who was a head coach up there, long-time head coach up there. and. Uh, Spent four years up there as doing video, doing uh, assistant D-backs, and finally, in the last couple of years, uh, doing safeties and special teams. And then uh, in 2016, uh, the head coach at Springfield College, Mike DeLong, retired, uh, you know, had been there for quite a while. He was my coach and and the coach previous to that. I mean, he was, you know, him and Coach Manello in uh, 1986 were the original guys who put in back then the wishbone offense, uh you know, so they, they were the founders of it at Springfield College. and uh, so he retired uh, after being there for quite a while and then uh, Mike Sarasolo, who's the offensive coordinator uh, since 2001, uh, took over as the head coach. And um, you know I, I g8 for Coach C, uh, and then uh, you know going back I and mean, he recruited me out of high school so always had a, a pretty tight relationship there and um, you know going back to as a high school student player and then GA and then you know a guy who's provided me and a lot of other GAs with uh, a ton of mentoring and great advice throughout the years um, once we've left there so had the opportunity to come back and, and coach at a place that had a, a profound impact on me for for a guy and a man who you know had a bit of impact on my uh, growth and development as a coach and you know more importantly as a person. So uh, jumped at at that opportunity to come back there. So that was 2016, and you know this will be uh, seven years there now as the offensive coordinator.
0: Now, I mean, uh, there's a couple ways we won't take this, but first, yeah. How how do you think? I mean, you spent a long time coaching defense before you came back as the OC. How has that helped you? Now, obviously, like, coaching DBs versus triples is a whole different right. conversation anyways. But, yeah. I mean, you still, as a defensive coach, like, you're, you're learning coverages. You're learning fronts, rotations. How has all that stuff benefited you as the offensive coordinator at Springfield College?
1: Well, I think the first thing is the teaching aspect, right? The teaching aspect and the mindset of – you know, a defense player and a defensive coach. Uh, because, you know, I think as offensive coaches, sometimes um, we get caught into maybe scheming too much, right? And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've am i been a, a fault of that before, right? Um, and, and then, um, you know, not not to take any way, anything away from the defense, but the defense has to practice, you know, their base installation and then get prepared for the triples. So sometimes it's what can a defensive player handle yeah. um, that we're putting in, right? So that that it's more of looking at us as an execution standpoint on focusing more of that than sometimes trying to outthink people, uh, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Because I, I look at, you know, when, when I was coaching the safeties, it was, we're, we're a quarters coverage team. Uh, and if it was a, to a, you know, a pro surface tight end flanker to the field, like the safety's responsibilities was get his eyes to the tight end. Right. And, you know, he had his reads based off of the tight end down block, out block, pass release, whatever. But and then his eyes would be staring in the backfield. Right. And the tight end would be uh, 10 yards behind him. So it's like, yeah, as much as offensive coordinators, we think, hey, defensive guys should be here. Um, well, defensive coaches are trying to get the defender's eyes in the right spots. Right. So if, if we spend so much time trying to out scheme ourselves, um, then our kids won't execute up to the level that, that they need to uh, in order to sex- successfully carry out a game plan.
0: Okay. Now, uh, the other question I'm going to ask, and, I'm, and I, there's, and I uh, try to ask this to every flex bone or triple or option guy that I talk to, is why that offense? Like, obviously, you guys have ran it for a long time, so it's a little bit different, and your head coach ran it. But philosophically, why? Why, why has that been so – and because you, you guys have been pretty successful with it as well. Like, why, why is that your focal point? I mean, there's 8 billion ways to run option anyways, but why the option? Why the triple? Why do what you do?
1: I think, first, the mindset in the kids uh, is the first thing. Uh, you know, we're a pretty – just as a, as a football program, special teams, offense and defense, were a pretty aggressive style type of play so it's the mindset that we want to instill in our players is that hey we're going to set the pace we're going to set the tempo we're going to call the play right so I think it first starts with that that mindset Uh, and then from there right it's really uh, building in those core values within our program of you know commitment tradition brotherhood, right and 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 knowing that the triple option uh, you need all 11 to succeed right you, you need all 11 to execute uh, and be selfless players and we build our culture around the brotherhood mentality uh, so I think that is uh, a key to any triple option attack that selfless mentality of you know we've had games where two games in a row the quarterback carried the ball 30 times so he hit 60 touches in two games and then the next game he had 10 touches right yeah. based off of um, what we felt we could take advantage of or what the defense has giving us right so it's it's that, I think, first and foremost, it's the mindset uh, and the culture within our players and our team uh, is the most important thing within our program. And again, developing that uh, not only offensively, defensively, but special teams throughout the entire uh, program. And then I think also when you talk about schematically, it's it, it feels like a lot of the offenses out there are very similar, right? Um, yes. you, you have the spread, no huddle type uh, shotgun. You know, you don't see a lot of two-back power I teams anymore. Um, So I feel like that uh, you know, teams now have to adjust um, pretty dramatically uh, to defend our type of offense. Well, we do run. I mean, there's probably teams who throw the ball more in two games than we do in the entire season, right? Uh, So I I think it's it's that um, the preparation. You know, the old. The old saying is we're going to do it all the time, and then it, it takes a, a defense. They have to prepare for
0: it one week. Yeah, the other thing I noticed, because, like, we talked a little bit before we came on, that I, I've been watching some I, I, I you try, – I try to do a decent amount of prep for these. Right, right. Like, it's not just throwing random questions, as some people might yeah. say. But so, like, I, I've watched some of your games, um, like I told you, on – I know one of the things I noticed, like there's a lot of things I noticed, but I think the main thing, one of the big things that took away because I was rewatching this stuff last night is you do a lot of, like check with me. It, it, at least that what lo- looks like to me. I don't know if that's an illusion or whatever it is, but you seem, seem to have take, like, I'm not going to say that's an off a spread concept that was originated there, but it, it's probably more when you think of check with me, stuff you think of more no huddle spread teams than, uh, a T team or a flexible team. Right, right, right. What is the f- philosophical idea behind that? Why do you do it? And, or, and really, how's that benefited you guys? Because it seems like it puts you in a lot of good advantageous spots.
1: Yeah, so I think probably it started off with, um, you know, we've traditionally, back when IGA'd and Coach C has been the offense coordinator, right, for quite a while. I mean, he's always had a good relationship with the coaches down at Navy. Uh, and Coach Ken is, is great and open up uh, his doors to us when we've gone down there. I mean, Uh, I went down there as a GA, and then when we came back, we went down there, and uh, when we went down there, uh, we've always had uh, Springfield uh, coaches to lean on. Mike Judge, uh, who was a a former quarterback at Springfield, was a fullbacks coach there, and then, uh, you know, a couple years ago, moved on to Miami Dolphins. Now, Jason McDonald, who was at the Naval Prep School for a a while, then uh, has been the fullbacks coach there uh, for the last couple years, so we've had that relationship. We went down there uh, after my first year there, uh, in 16, uh, and, you know, they were doing some no huddle stuff and that's kind of where we started, uh, to go down that route with the no huddle check with me stuff. Um, and I think it's more recently since uh, 2017, where we went to the signal, the code word, uh, the new no huddle system, which, uh, has been, uh, I think great for us, uh, especially, um, it makes it easier. I think sometimes adjusting on the fly and play calling wise, but, you know, because you can prepare all week, say you put, and you want to be a, a, a two minute offense, right. And you have a wristband put together and then the defense comes out in a completely different uh, look than what you had thought or what you prepare for, you know, then you throw that wristband out the window. Right. So I think starting with that, no huddle. And then the check with me, uh, if teams are stemming or moving or trying to lot, run linebackers through, or if we just want to control the clock, um, you know, another way, because, you know, we we're, we're moving pretty quickly. Uh, but then we're looking at like, okay, if we want to, you know, um, control the clock a little bit, the, I think the check with me stuff definitely helps.
0: Now that kind of hit on um, something I was going to ask later, but you mentioned Navy there, like Obviously, from what you just said, Navy's a big resource for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's not a crap ton of teams that run run flexible. I mean, so probably, it's more prevalent in high school than it is anywhere else. Right. right. And really, if you look at the college landscape, because I have recently, I mean, you got true really three teams at, at big level, and then you got some some sprinkled down as you kind of go down through lower D one, D two, D three. I think it's probably most prevalent in D, Division three football. So besides Navy, like, and in, in obviously you have a lot of good resources. We talked about this before I came on, like you got three things on Glacier. You got a couple things in a couple other places. You use something for a station. But where do you go besides Navy to research and pull stuff from or get ideas from?
1: Um, well, I think the, the first place I'll go is um, back in old game plans, right? With with Coach Ursula and stuff he put, put together, um, you know, that maybe they ran 15 years ago that, um would fit now yes so first I think it's a self-scout looking at you know what we've done over um you know 15 20 years that is still relevant today um you know to try to mix it up a little bit I think definitely um you know building relationships with high school coaches too because they're they're facing the same things that um you are and um I think you know, it goes two ways. Like I'll meet with high school coaches and they'll come up to ask stuff about us. But then it's like, I ask them questions too um, on, on what they're doing, how they handle things, especially too where, you know, uh, the NCAA is um, pretty much getting away from cup locking on the perimeter uh, coming up uh, and it, it, they are getting away from it, right? So
0: I'm
1: yeah. um, talking with high school coaches who can't cup lock on the perimeter uh, and how do they handle that? Uh, and then another resource has always been uh, Lucani who's the offense coordinator down at Citadel. Uh, who was a, a former player in GA here um, you know he's been uh, a great resource for myself coach C um, and I just the entire program as well
0: okay now continuing on from that is like each year to each year how do you decide on what the major on because like I like I've watched even just just watching Navy like some years are they're, they're really triple heavy midline heavy other years are they're more into the belly series right? because of a lot, obviously a lot of it's personnel, but how quickly do you look at that? How quickly do you alter, okay, this is the order we're going to install next year because I know this is what we're going to have. What does that decision-making process look like for you on like, okay, this year midline is going to be a bigger focal point for us than say outside beer.
1: Um, you know, for, I think first, when we look at installation, like, how we install doesn't change very much. We'll make small tweaks to it because it still goes back to the teaching, right? right. I mean, you know, you look at the last two years, I mean, our three top, it's been outside Veer, zone dive, inside Veer, as far as the, the percentage breakdown of play family. Uh, But we're still gonna install inside Veer day one uh, because that's the teaching. Right. And how you teach a mass, how you teach communication, it all ties back into that. Right. And, and so I think then we look at, OK, what what defensive fronts have we been getting? Um, so adjust based off of the uh, the defensive fronts we've been getting uh, and what we think we're going to get in the future and what plays will uh, be best towards those fronts. Uh, and then I think it kind of develops sometimes as the season progresses when you're looking at like in, in season self-scout. On okay, what plays are effective? What you know? Are we getting a trend where um, you know every defense has shown what what we thought they were going to give, or are we getting a trend where all right, we've gotten you know three weeks in a row where we thought we we're getting one defense and they came on completely different defense, yeah. right? So I, I think um, it's a very uh, some people like to use this word right, organic, uh, what have you not. Um, it, it's a developmental thing, I think. Sometimes when you get in the season, um, with us for sure.
0: Okay. Now you mentioned outside beer there. Like I was talking to a South Carolina high school coach who who used to be um, a flex, a, a triple guy, a flexible guy, um, as an O line coach, and his current head coach they are more they're more shotgun counter stuff now. But he talked about how he 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 loved outside beer and how it was his favorite. And it was probably the most run thing they ran. Why do you, why do you think it's so frequent in your play calling? Why is it so much so prevalent compared to say an inside beer or a midline?
1: Um, well, I think anytime you put a tight end in, uh, right, you make uh, teams have to adjust to the tight end. Uh, I think that you know you you get unbalanced formations. Uh, again, tight end unbalanced formations. Then teams have to declare they have to shift. They they have to do something to adjust. To the tight end side, especially if we do like a a tight end and and receiver over, right? Um, But I also think it's it's not outside Veer, but how outside Veer complements the other play, the other plays. How outside Veer, inside Veer, and midline all complement each other um, to keep you know a five technique, uh, uh, you know, an overhang defender on their toes.
0: Okay, perfect, coach. Like I said, because he he made the comment to me the other night, like you can't defend outside beer and sweep at the same time. Like you got, you got to pick one. That, that, that's kind of what you're saying as well is they all complement each other. Um, and so forth. Now, like, and here's like, here's where I get, like, I can look up outside beer and inside beer rules. That's, that's the easy part. But right. my biggest question is how people practice it. I think, and i and I watched something on YouTube. I think that was part of this a longer clinic you did on practice mm-hmm. um, the other night as well um but how do you how much does practice change year to year for you and then how what is your like ideal structures you kind of go down
1: um so I think when the practice organization uh you know from we look at you know first as a as a team right so myself coach CNR, defense coordinator Lou DiRienzo uh we'll get together what are our practice blocks going to be right and we've we've put them in you know within the last couple of years, we make small changes here and there uh, based off of what we feel like we need to do better and also input from the kids too uh, on how practice structure, how they feel it's going. So I I think first of all, it's not so much offensively, but it's okay. How how are we going to structure this? This practice as a program uh, and, you know, not look at it as one day, but look at it as a week, a season and a year, uh, first off and foremost, right? And then getting input you know, ourselves as a coordinators and head coach, the assistant coaches and graduate assistants, and then the players, right? So you're getting all this uh, different information and, and feedback and then looking at how it applies to when we go into the season. So when we structure practice, we'll look at, uh, you know, we'll be out there for about seven and a half minutes for uh, a special teams walkthrough and seven and a half minutes. This is when we get into um yeah into actual uh season right so classes whatnot you know guys are moving and shaking all day and so seven and a half minutes uh special teams, seven and a half minutes of offense and defense right then we'll do uh run stretch and we'll actually we'll do our specialist uh kick returners punt returners um you know any of that stuff during uh run stretch to save some time during practice so that'll be about a 10 minute block Uh, And then we'll go into uh, an RTP period, which is uh, ready to play. So the kids amp it up right away, right? Uh, Whether, you know, offensively uh, we could do a a simple team tempo, like, Hey, let's get these plays going fast on air for five minutes. And then we're into a ball security circuit, right? So that that's the first pretty much 20 minutes of practice as the season progresses. Hey, that RTP period will be about five minutes. Right. And so then maybe, In that five minutes, we do ball security, and then we do an amp it up period offensively at another point, right? Uh, And then after that, we'll go into special teams, uh, which at the beginning of the year will be a ten minute. As we progress, it'll be more rep based, so you're looking at seven to eight minutes. Uh, And after that, you know, we'll come out individual, um, and individual will be will will you know meshes with the quarterbacks and fullbacks. We'll work all three pass. We'll we'll progress to uh, you know a pitches period right so we're always working that and then uh, and then it really depends on what the offensive game plan is that week what we need to wrap you know do we need to do uh, what we call three-man drills so um, you know center guard guard fullback quarterback and work trap work zone dive do we need to do a little half like so get into some pod work a little bit right Uh, so I think that is how we look at that and then middle practice we'll have a crossover period with our defense Um, right and and, you know we don't get it because in preseason we'll we'll line up we'll go 11 on 11 here we go right like everything's live quarterbacks live we're going to get those live reps and when we get in the season obviously you know the defense isn't seeing triple option every week it's it's one week when we play king's point so that'll be a little bit different practice structure but you know one-on-ones uh pass uh, pass pro with the offense and defensive line maybe a skelly period something so the kids still feel that competitive nature Uh, within practice and and we got to throw and catch balls too they got to defend them and uh, you know our offensive line has to defend you know pass protect and defensive line's got to work that live situation so doing that well uh, um, uh, another special teams period built in in the middle as well Uh, you know again a seven to ten minute period uh, and then we'll end practice with, with team with team again we'll kind of build Like maybe we do some half line, maybe we do some team option. Uh, Maybe today's more of a situational day. We do a third down period. You know, when we do situational football with the kids, you know, as as, you know, with triple option, the game plan isn't changing much, right? It's more of the mentality of the kids. So they understand the importance of, you know, converting on third down, converting on fourth down, how important it is uh, to get away with points when you're in the red zone, green zone
0: yeah okay But like you mentioned there about mesh and like because one things i noticed while watching your film is y'all's timing is is pretty dang good like just from from handoff from the the veer portion as well how detailed do you get it during your mesh period because i mean be nice and frank about it some coaches kind of go through the motions others are super detailed in every step and i think that's kind of that would be my assumption, especially with this kind of offense. Is how detailed you have to be with the step work and footwork, and how detailed do you get with that? And how critical are you during that that mesh quarterback, pullback mesh, quarterback pitch mesh time.
1: Yeah, I think first it's it's giving some sort of feedback every rep, right? Um, whether it's positive, negative, or whether it's you know there's the feedback sandwich, uh, you know, a negative comment built in between two positives. Right. So so giving some sort of feedback. So one, the kids understand the importance of doing it because you know, we're doing 10 minutes we're working inside beer, outside beer and, and midline. You know, you're looking at week eight because, of, OK, here we go. Man. Right. Right. So so get making sure there is always feedback with that um, as far as the detail. Right. I you know, you try to be as detail oriented possible without slowing the kids down. Uh, because I think, you know, and I always try to, I'm doing like these installs. So I I do these installs with high schools the last couple of weeks, right? Uh, Started last week and and got my last one tonight. Uh, And, you know, sometimes I catch myself over coaching, right? So you give, you want to be detailed and you want to coach every single point, but then it slows the kid down and he's not thinking, right? So sometimes it will be, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, hey, get your uh, your play side foot to five and seven o'clock, get your hands back in the front chin, reach, ride. Right. And then it's just like, Hey man, just get the ball to the mesh board. Right. So I, I think, you know, it, it depends on like the kids give you that, whoa, there's, there's too much going on here. Like it's, Hey, how fast can you get the ball from the center's ass back to the the stomach of the fullback and get it to the mesh ball?
0: Yeah. No, perfect coach. Now the other thing I want to ask you, like, obviously in your offense, especially you do a lot of pod work, as you kind of mentioned, like, it might be half a line, it might be kind of a mesh pod where you're, it's really your fullbacks, your wings, and your quarterback. Um, I, I assume there's a, a lot more with that. Like for, for a high school coach working the option, is there one that you think kind of stands out of the others that kind of is the most beneficial, especially if a high school coach is short on time?
1: Yeah, I think the half-line period is huge. I think that because then you can just lock in – uh and run those plays you know and especially too we were in like in spring ball we're doing more of the pod work and half line work than the full team stuff because the emphasis in spring ball is technique execution and communication right so uh for us we're locking more into that than we did the full team stuff um but then when we get in the season we have to do the team stuff so the quarterback sees the whole picture and the kids get when i talk about communication the I'm talking about the communication, the offense of line, speaking together, the quarterback, fullback. But then you still with the no huddle, you have that other way of communication where uh, they get to see the signals, communicate the signals and and, um, execute at a high level with that. So when we get in the season, we'll we'll do more of that team stuff. But I, I think for, you know, depending on how the mechanism, the offense that a high school coach is calling the plays for kids to just lock in, right, see the look and see the reps um i i think that's important to just hey you're looking at this half line sometimes we'll do half line and we won't even uh put the backside pitch back in there right hey we're working outside veer we're working to a three-man surface we'll just take center guard tackle tight end front side a back fullback quarterback uh and just work you know the die phase and the the key phase
0: now uh, you mentioned and it kind of sparked something in the check with me that I probably should have asked you earlier and I'll just hit back on it real quick is when do you start that process? Like, is, is that along with day one or when, when, when along No, with- you know, I, I think
1: it's um, we'll install in preseason. Then it'll, it'll be by game plan. I think depending on what, what we feel like uh, we'll help, you know, sometimes we don't want to use the check with me stuff, right? Uh, sometimes it's here or there. Um, so I, you know, probably the game you're probably watching was the, our playoff game, the Cortland game. I think where we, we use it a lot. Uh, and that was a big part of the game plan, uh, going into that game. But probably if you watch the games, the previous two weeks, we didn't use it at all. Um, so I think it really depends on, um, you know, what we feel like, uh, the defense is going to give us and how we want to, um, you know, formulate the game plan.
0: Okay. Now, the other thing I'm going to ask you, because I asked you about just like one pot drill for high school coaches, because, you, I mean, you probably see – you talked to a lot of high school coaches who were on the flex bone. You probably see a lot of stuff as you kind of go. What do you think are the biggest things that are maybe missed or need worked on for high school coaches trying to install the, the option and the flex bone and the variations of it?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the first thing to be is the ball security. Right. And, uh, you know, and, um, and as college coaches, sometimes you forget about that too, right? That you want to um, focus so much on scheme and, and you know, all right, we got to do this, we got to do that. Hey, let's get this play in. Um, and then all of a sudden you turn the ball over three times in the game and you lost. It's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> like that. And so I think the fundamental, and we, we saw that at the beginning of the year uh, this past year, right? We start off one and three. I mean, we put the ball on the ground way too much. Uh, and you know, so we we went to bi week and, and really, you know, adjusted how we practiced uh, and the emphasis we put on ball security, right? And we changed some things on the way we're coaching it too. So I think that goes by back to your last question a little bit too of uh, when talking about practice structure, um, is that kind of always be evaluating how your practices are going. Right, yeah. if you're losing, like, okay, wh- why is that? Uh, if you're losing and you're not executing, why is that happening, you know? Um, and I'm also not one to make wholesale changes either, panic and like, oh my God, it's not working, right? Um, but I think little tweaks here or there uh, to practice structure can help, right? Um, so back to the, but I think ball security is number one, right? And, and I, that's, it's the lifeblood of our program uh, is taking care of the football. Right. Um, and then I think too, it's the execution, right? It's okay. We're going to run this play. And if you turn on a tape, sometimes you're like, man, if the right tackle did this, if he did that, and then it's like, okay, why did he not do that? Right. And that goes back to our practice organization. You know, how many times do we rep that during practice? Right. Uh, and and we did one year, we actually did read the, uh, GAs go back and, and do a little study of, Uh, the percentage of plays that we wrapped during the week compared to the percentage of plays that we wrapped on Saturday. Right. So they went back and they looked at like tallied up all the things and and looked at, right. If we put in a new play, how much time did we spend repping it during the week versus how much time did we actually, you know, percentage time we actually ran it during the game. Right. And what we found was it was our base plays were what we ran during the game. We put in a new wrinkle and, you know, was it worth the time that we put in, right? So I think always evaluating your practice time. uh, And if you are trying to put in a wrinkle, how successful will that wrinkle be based off the time that you can spend doing it during the week of practice? And then on the same side, okay, if you're spending time doing that wrinkle, what is that taking away from your base plays where you need to make sure that you execute at a high level in order to be
0: successful? It's just, yeah. It's, just a, it's a business that's just a cost matrix and, right. and, and re, your return on investment and then what you're giving up at the same time. So yeah, no, that makes a hundred percent sense coach. Um, and then the kind of one of my other one, questions was, I mean, obviously play action passing is, is, is deadly in your offense um, as, as with any heavy running offense. Um, i like i I'd watched I, me and a buddy of mine watched the army Navy game the other week and same thing. Like, I mean, you just see them just running the death, and then they'll run a play action, and the post, as always, the post is wide open in the middle of the field. Yeah, yeah, right. You just, you just pray the quarterback doesn't underthrow it. Yeah, uh, right. Which he usually somehow does at least once a game. Right. Um, from a play action standpoint, obviously it works because you're so run heavy, and they're focused on stop. They have their option rolls and so forth. But from a play action standpoint, what do you look for when you're looking at cod, and then? How, how often do you change or evolve your play action concepts over the years?
1: Um, I think, you know, first it, it starts with your offseason self-scout analysis uh, of, you know, what are teams doing to you? Because it kind of goes in uh, phases, I guess, if you look at what teams do to you, right? When I first got here, uh, you know, they were doing, we were getting a lot of one high 4-4 teams right? Getting a lot of those those uh, eight-man front looks. Um, and then we had a couple games where the halfbacks had big games. We got a body on the free safety and, you know, we we don't see that as much anymore, right? So first it looks at, okay, when we adjust our play action pass game, it's based off of our self-scout analysis and, you know, in the winter months of what have we gotten um, previous years, right? Previous The previous year. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of builds to when we do Spring visits, a meeting with other coaches. Hey, what are they doing a little bit uh, uh, differently pass game-wise? And then it goes back to that cost-benefit analysis that we were just talking about, okay? There's a lot of pass plays that you can run and there's, you know, can the quarterback make that read? How much time do you practice them? And then look at two of the technique of teaching the routes, right? So can we get it so we're teaching these routes and how do they apply to concepts, right? So then, if it's you're changing a, a concept week to week, the receiver doesn't have to learn a new route technique, okay?
0: That makes sense uh, now. Kind of going in with that, and you mentioned quarterbacks there is how much actually, let me rephrase this how do you evaluate, especially when you have like a quarterback battle, the differences, uh, for in, a, in that kind of offense? I think it in a, I won't say it's not. And a spread offense, probably it's a little easier. I mean, especially with a heavy throwing team. But when you're talking about detailed reads, detailed getting them in the right, if you need to check with me and move, and how do you evaluate your quarterbacks in this system?
1: Um, I think the first thing you, you know, we talk about detailed reads, which are important, um, but how does a kid react when he misses a read, Right. Uh, because he's gonna miss reads. So what is his reaction? You know, he, does he miss a read and still get a positive gain uh, by following the fullback up in there? Or does he miss a read and try to make too much happen? Right. Um, and then looking at how does he react when things go negatively? Right. So you look at preseason, putting him in pressure situations, maybe putting him in uh sometimes situations that not are not advantageous to them. Um, and then seeing how they bounce back when they fail, right? Uh, I think those are the first things you're gonna look at is, um, you know, what they're made of. uh, Because, you know, in this offense, it can go pretty quickly where quarterback can put the ball on the ground, but he's got to bounce back that next round, right? And we, you know, you see them both happen where quarterback puts the ball on the ground, turns the ball over, and then that kind of spirals and the rest of the game goes that way. Uh, or you have a quarterback respond and 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 um, you know, not let a previous mistake affect future mistakes, right? Uh, so I think you're you're looking at one: how does he respond? What is he made of? How does he take care of the football, right? Uh, you know, is he a cowboy out there and try to do way too many different things? Uh, or it, it, you know, is he playing within the within the offense and you know doing the thing that is the most important thing with our offense is taking care of the football um, and and so I think you look at that as far as you know looking at plays and, and and you know evaluating based off of that I think you as a coordinator want to fit the offense to the strengths of the quarterback right um, so if you you have you have a talented quarterback. Who you say? Oh, he's just not getting it. And then there's another kid who can execute, but maybe uh, doesn't have that game breaking ability. That's when you have to make the decision of what do we want to look for? Do we want to evolve the offense a little bit to fit around the playmaker's abilities, or do we feel like we have enough tools around the quarterback who can execute the reads and the pitches uh, that we can move with him?
0: Okay. That's, I mean, that's great, coach. Like, because I, I like I said, it's I think it's just a different. Way of attacking it, just because of what you ask your quarterbacks to do in terms of reads, running the ball, pitching the ball. Um, at least, just for my perspective, I only I've only done one year in a option oriented, a true option oriented offense, um, and that was many a year ago. Um, kind of, how do you? And then kind of one of my last questions is, how? I mean, you talked about a little bit is you're going to get stuff that you don't expect. Like, especially high schools, even more deal with just junk fronts is what I just call them. They're just trash. Right. I call them trash defenses because it's just just unsound, dumb crap that they're, it's like the flavor of the week. How do you deal with that trash or that unexpectedness um, from a given week to week? I mean, colleges are a little bit more sound in what they do, but, or even just advice for schools that deal with that. I I understand it's a, a, rule-based offense, but again, you're going to get just dumb stuff that's going to freak out your kids or surprise your kids. How do you approach that?
1: Well, um, one, I think it goes back to what your day one install is, like when we sell inside beer, right? And the mindset within our kids when we teach it, you know, it's as coaches we'll talk about it, that it's a defense. As kids, it's a front and a perimeter, right? So apply your rules of build. Uh, So I think that that is the first, um, the first mentality of it, right? So that our kids always, like we're always hammering that into our kids so that if we do get something that we're not expecting, hey, it is a front and a perimeter, right? Apply your rules and go. Because we'll get that, um, you know, there'll there'll be some games where, um, you know, maybe we want to put in a new formation or we don't have, uh, you know, this formation on tape from these guys and previous, but hey, we want to run it. Okay, well we're gonna throw it out there uh, and and rely on our kids to communicate uh, and understand it's a front uh, and it's a perimeter, right? So I think that's first and foremost. Uh, And then, you know, talking, especially the quarterback about grass, right? Uh, When you're talking about um, the kind of flavor of the week and, you know, there's a quote, uh, unsound defense or whatnot, it's not overcomplicating for the quarterback and saying, hey man, right? Where's the green grass? Right. If there if there's a lot of guys on the outside, then it's probably good to run inside. Right. If they get a lot of guys inside, then it's probably good to run outside. Right. So like talking in basic, simple concepts um, so that when you do, because sometimes you get out there and you're like, what the heck is that defense? Right. And, and it, but it's like, OK, don't worry about the whole picture. Worry about the side we're running it to worry about the number of guys because if you look at the side we're we'll running to the number of guys inside right then you can fill in the gaps with the rest of the picture
0: okay. you you mentioned kind of identifying and simplifying theirs so with that how much walking through identification time do you do compared to um full speed oh
1: definitely you know i and i probably actually forgot to mention, we do have a a 10 minute walkthrough in the body practice all the time, right? So we have that walkthrough at the beginning, you know, and that walkthrough in the middle. uh, And and when we do that, um, you know, we try to, you know, give the kids the answers to the test essentially, right? We're we're, we're giving them, um, you know, walk it through, walk it through and then wrap it, right? So it builds confidence. Yeah, we'll mix it. Like we'll throw something to try to trick them in every, you know, every week, obviously, to make sure they're still thinking right? But walking through so they build the confidence in that communication and that execution. Uh, and then obviously in preseason, we do that quite a bit.
0: How much does your, I mean, obviously in preseason, it's more with your install and it's what you're working on that day. But in season, how much does that walk through and what you're repping? Obviously the defense is getting adjusted based off who you're seeing, but offensively, how much is getting adjusted or changed or how different are the calls from week to week?
1: um as far as like the defensive looks or our play calls or what do you mean by that your
0: offensive calls how much do those change week to week for that walkthrough period
1: oh they won't I mean it's you know it's our offense is based off of you know our rules and our communication whether it's a 2i or two technique or a two or three man perimeter um and and, you know apply your count and go so it really doesn't
0: change and then you mentioned their offensive line wise how how much it do you guys focus on communication on the O-line point? And how do you approach teaching them that part?
1: Well, I think it, for us, it's AMC. Always make a call, right? Um, so that, um, you know, whether it's a five or an overhang or guard on covered up the second level, guard on all the way through. Uh, and that's important. I mean, if you're running counter option uh, and you're running against a 50 front, hey, is it a, a four or four I? right? So they're communicating that, that, you know, the front side tackle and guard are communicating that back to uh, the backside guard to know if he's got a log or if he's going to wrap up and throw. Um, so there's a, a, quite a bit of communication that goes on. Um, you know, and, and obviously if it's a young group, you know, there's some, there's some learning courage with that, right? Uh, uh, w- but that's, I mean, that's coaching football, right? So I think because some people say, well, you know, there's a lot of communication, there's a well, yeah, but there's, a lot of communication and coaching football in general, right? So when you have a young group, you're you're gonna have to coach them, and you're gonna to have to, um, you know, adjust what you're installing um, from a play standpoint to fit what they can handle and execute. You know, if you get an older group, then you know, throw it at them and and see how they handle.
0: Now, the last question I'm gonna ask you, like my my personal favorite option play is midline triple. I love it. I just love how fast it hits. It's violent. It's, it's beautiful. It, it, I think it's great play. It's a great play. Yes. I, I, I personally think it's really simple, yes. but you, what do you like, obviously there's plays you have success with, but what is your personal favorite play and why? Like it might not be something you call a time, but what do you like generally when you install it, you enjoy it. You love it. It's it's like to you one one of the, like, it's your favorite option play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easy answer outside here, right? Uh, because I think it's uh, the physicality of play uh, of getting a double team at the point of attack uh, is awesome. Like just to, you know, you look at the offensive line and it's a pretty simple communication, right? It's double team start from the outside in um, and then it's triple scheme on the backside, right? And, and it's put your hand in the ground and get off the football. Uh, and for the quarterback, right, um, it's given less the the dive keys head in the front. Uh, and it's a simplistic play uh, to run to a three, two, four man surface. Um, and, you know, get down, put your hand on the ground and here we go. Perfect,
0: coach. Well, coaches um, give coach a follow. His Twitter will be in the bio um, like share, subscribe as always. Uh, check out our sponsor coach pad in the bio. Um, and then that was another our episode of the gap down backer podcast.